Jamaze Tattoo update your conspiracy board and get ready to weather the storm with us as we return to Haven. This is Troubled, the self-proclaimed number one Haven rewatch podcast. Debuting back in 2010 as a sci-fi channel original show, Haven stars Emily Rose, Lucas Bryan, and Eric Balfour as they take on a different curse every week while trying to solve the mysteries of Haven. I'm your first host in our father-son podcasting duo, as usual, Alex French. And I'm Rich French, the French whose mother said he was a catch. <laughs> what mother doesn't um <laughs> she obviously was lying but it made me feel better thought she meant because you like smell like a fish but i don't know i did grow up by lake michigan so it kind of saturated things <laughs> it's just deep seeped into the skin okay so this episode something a little different we didn't do this last season last season we uh kind of tacked it on to the end of episode so i think right before the season finale we did special features and then during the season finale coverage we talked about our season thoughts overall we thought those kind of made the episodes bloated so we decided to make them their own episode an episode for special features and a season overview for season two so we're covering uh special features that are found on the blu-ray for season two of haven uh just real quick they include the making of featurette so it's a bunch of little little episode little i don't know featurette episodes on the making of the behind the scenes it's more like press for behind the scenes right it's like interviews about what's going on it's it's a misnomer i think the title when they say like behind the scenes it's it's really just junkets mostly yeah well i think that's like kind of the title they've always like that behind the scenes is like our presentation to you like of what's going on back here even though it's very like I don't know if it's literally scripted, but it feels very like press release. Uh, we have an interview with Adam Copeland and then a Haven panel from New York Comic-Con that I didn't finish. Uh, so you're going to have to be the, my illustrious co-host is going to have to kind of guide us through that one. <laughs> I thought it was the best part of the special features. So <laughs> I'm just, not a, a, I'm just not a Comic-Con panel guy. I just, I don't know something about the whole form. I feel like maybe if I was, you know, if I was there, it'd be cool, but watching them just feel it's like, and it's like watching a play on TV, right? Like, no thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big play guy anyway, but I'll, but especially not on TV. Sadly, you haven't had to go to three comic cons because you had some nerd friends, who, uh, <laughs> which I actually enjoyed it though. Uh, the, the, the first two years, and by the third year, I was like done. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to wait a half hour for you to get one of the Power Rangers autographs, dude. No, which one was happened. it? Was it was it Adam? Uh, was the, it? Uh, the White Ranger. How uh, was Tommy? Or uh, that's the character, Jason. Jason something. Jason David Scott, I think is his name. Yeah, I believe me. I still hold a grudge against you for making <laughs> me take you to see the movie. Oh man, uh, they got. Uh, they have Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on HBO now or HBO Max. I'm gonna watch the movie. I'd like to put that away wherever they put the prequels to Star Wars. You, but you have to admit the soundtrack's pretty good. When they open up. Uh, with uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers' Higher Ground cover of, uh, obviously, Stevie Wonder. but uh, And then they end with Van Halen at the end, so. Yeah. Good good the music. Dreams, come on. You like Dreams, come on. Come on. Uh, Van Hagar? <laughs> yeah. I, I liked all, of, uh, let me rephrase it. I liked two iterations of Van Halen. <laughs> all right. Uh, the Gary Chacon from Extreme, the lead singer of Extreme era. I know. No, no, no bueno. No bueno. But we digress. So anyway, uh, and then we'll be talking about our season overview. So we'll kind of give you just what we think about the season overall, how it did compared to season one, what we're hoping for in season three, and some of what we thought were the best episodes and like worst episodes and like how the flow of the season felt uh, once again. So just general, just the, the roadmap for you guys moving forward. 
All right, let's let's jump into these special features. So let's talk about the making of featurettes. Uh, the ones that they went through is script writing, production design, costumes, locations, production meeting, and then the smorgasbord at the end was directing, cinematography, acting. Like, we're yeah. like, yeah, just smash them all together. Fuck yeah, none of this shit's important. Yeah. Directing, cinematography, and acting. Let's just lump them in. And, you yeah, know, so what I- being those three getting push together but production meeting and locations getting their own which locations is really important in the product they're, they're all important but it's funny because it's like the production meeting do we really want to watch that it's like you know when you worked in like more big corporate jobs right it's like do we really want to watch your meetings like yeah my, my two-hour operations meeting no <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I didn't want to be in that meeting more <laughs> or less and i was responsible for a good chunk of it but you know kind of what i say of the making of future edits you know the bottom line you know only only spend the time if you want to know how the sausage is made <laughs> well I, I think i think it's pretty cool to see um especially i thought in the production design i know because like I work more in that field right now. So I see a lot of this stuff, but like, I think there's a lot of stuff like that you're seeing that you're not thinking of, like when you're decorating the buildings and stuff, they're not always decorated all the time, or they're not like that. So like, you have to think about all the things they have to do, right. Building the sets, bringing in all the stuff. So I thought the production mm-hmm. design one, and then, you know, think about all the trucks you got to use. Think about like when you don't have them in use, you got to put them away in storage. Imagine how many storage like units you have to have to store all this shit. Oh, exactly. If you want to see how the sausage is made. And <laughs> I, don't know, I guess to me, that's like interesting. I'm like, that's not like, boring. but you went to film school, of course. Yeah. But, you know, but, but, you know, I enjoyed it. Like the script writing, uh, you know, I thought that was uh, you know interesting, especially how the scripts have to go through the studio and the network. And then yeah. I realized how challenging that, that makes it for the writers and the production team. You know, and one thing I also noticed that when they were when Nurse and Dumb were showing their original write up for uh, the the finale, Sins of the Father, they had it titled uh, "Thanks for the Memories," and I was like, "That is a shit title." Thank God you changed it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So the script writing one is probably the best one I think of. Um, that's where you kind of get into. I, I feel like the writing is probably the part most people are interested in. I don't know, but maybe that's just us because we like reading and like writing and stuff. Writing, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, costumes, uh, costumes, and production meeting were probably my least favorite. Well, um, the, like with the production production design, uh, Jennifer Stewart's the production designer, and I thought it was kind of cool how they used a five D camera to take mm-hmm. pictures of the landscape, and that's what you see when Audrey looks out the window of Audrey's yeah. attic, and because uh, you know. That, that's pretty that's pretty slick because it's you know and how they they used a 5d camera and they, how they had to blow it up and stretch it and then they move them around I, that's, that was pretty cool interesting yeah on the show i work on they have a big like outside the house sets they have like uh the la skyline and stuff on a gigantic uh sheet that they have on like rails that they you know drag in around the studio to like certain wind like they're designed so you can slide them around to different windows on like a like rail system which is pretty cool yeah, so I'd never known that before, so that was neat. Unlike you, I didn't go to film school; I went to business school. It, this didn't. I didn't see that in film school. That was. Uh, that's just like it. Don't like film school is almost like dipping your toe in. You're gonna see some stuff, but it's nothing like. Um, it's nothing like the real experience. Almost, I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like it's almost like its own simulation. It's like a little snow globe of like how things might work, but a snow globe is nothing compared to actually going to the city, right? Like unless you're your like town at. is uh, disappearing into the snow globe <laughs> unless it's under the dome or something but uh 
I thought costumes was kind of the weakest one because yeah, they, they were, really they were describing the themes of their costumes and they were like, you know, Audrey's pretty earthy. So she's wearing earthy colors and a lot of blue. Nathan, you know, he wears a lot of blue and denim as we're watching both Audrey and Nathan wearing blue and denim, both of them. And then like Duke, she's like, oh, you know, he also looks good in denim. So I was like, okay, they're all wearing blue and denim. Like, damn it. All like, right. <laughs> all right. Someone get Levi's on the phone. You yeah. know, we're going to get a yeah. sponsorship here. Some, uh, <laughs> but yeah. locations was you know uh you know was okay it wasn't overly exciting and uh lee rose was really impressive and that's you know even in uh, the directing of cinematography and acting man, lee rose knows her shit man you know she's on top of it so yeah i was impressed with her what i will say with locations is locations is one of those things that when they do a really good job it's not really like something you notice but when they do a bad job <laughs> man it like, yeah. makes your life fucking terrible like if yeah. they're like oh the bathrooms are a mile away you're like are you fucking kidding me like or uh this one thing we did the parking the part where we parked because obviously you got to have like a parking lot for everyone the parking mm -hmm. was like over 20 minutes from the set so i was like dude like and then base camp is like a completely different thing from where your set is so it's all over the place so locations is a very it's one of those things where i wouldn't want to watch a featurette on it but it's one of those very very underrated uh very underrated because I've worked with bad locations, teams, yeah. and departments. Well, yeah, and Pillar talked talked a lot about that. I, you know, like you said, the parking and uh, you know how it's raining, but they uh, have to like put them under a tarp that you can't see. And yeah, or the neighbors, like you're saying, the fire lanes. There's so much shit that goes into yeah. doing locations, but it's very like not attractive. You don't <laughs> you don't really want to watch a feature out of it. No, uh, I thought the production meeting was okay as well. You know, just showing kind of the aspect of here the writers and you know here's what they wrote and what they want you know and the network's approved and then the production people get and they're like we can't do that yeah <laughs> there's no way to practically do that <laughs> and then you know but so that was pretty cool because like i didn't know how the sausage was made so uh well you're right about lee rose i thought lee rose was really impressive um and i think a really kind of strange aspect of TV is that the director is usually different every episode. I know Lee Rose and Sean Pillar kind of traded off the last four. Like uh, Lee Rose did one, Sean Pillar did the second to last, and Lee Rose did the finale, then Sean Pillar did the Christmas episode. So they're kind of trading off at the end. But usually, you know, a director will come do one or two and then leave. And, and then once again, they might come back later in the season. But there's it's such a strange relationship, right? Because the director is kind of the one, you know, they're in the lead and then they're gone and you have to, and then you get a new one. It's kind of weird where the rest of the crew stays the same, but not the leader of like the crew changes every episode makes it bizarre. Right. So when, when you I, never that, I was going to say, I never realized that until I watched like the making of game of Thrones. And yeah. I was like, I was like, <laughs> shit, you don't have the same director the whole season. And then no, and they'd have bunches of different. And I'm like, man, in, in certain cases, we're seeing more like these like mini series type formats. It's a little bit more common to see. Not it's not common, but it's a it's a bit you're seeing it a bit more of one director like uh, True Detective with, with season three is the exception. But season one and two were each handled by one director for every episode. So Carrie uh, Fukunaga, I think, is his name handled all of season one. And then Justin Lin did all of season two for True Detective. So you're seeing it a bit more as we, uh, and then season three was supposed to have one, but then he, uh, there was like creative problems, I think. But the thing with the rotating directors is if you get a shitty director, you know, I just got to wait this out. I just got to wait another week. <laughs> and then she, and then ride, he or she is gone. Ride the wave. Yeah. And then awesome. the other side of the coin is if you have a really cool director, then you're like, fuck, like, 
we're going to lose them and we're going to get like a shitty, we might get a shitty director next time or somebody who's just not as fun or as cool. Like I've had both so far where I've had direct a director that I was like, Jesus, can we get this person out of here? Like, I don't like, they're like, they're so annoying. And then another director, I'm like, Oh, this person's so awesome. I do not want them to like, please direct the rest of the season. I like this so much. And then, and then one's really like, yeah, whatever. Well, and that was something that Ernst and Dunn had mentioned was that, uh, and, and I never really thought of it. I mean, it totally made sense once they said it was that, you know, directors in a television series are there to reflect the vision of the writers Whereas in film, the director's the one who really sets the vision of the film. So yeah, least- right. So like on a movie, the writer writes it, sends it in. You know, they do their notes, et cetera, et cetera. But then they're kind of like, like, not kicked to the curb per se, but it's like, hey, sit in the back seat. If we have questions, we'll ask you. If you have input, we might listen, but mostly shut up. Whereas like in TV, you know, the writers, the writers have a more the writers have more, just more input. Like I know once again on the show that I'm working on, they have a, basically a representative from the writer's team. There's always a writer there who is watching and stuff like that. And basically holds the interests of the whole writing staff and like the show run or like the head writer uh, and kind of defends positions for them that they maybe don't want the directors or whoever to make. Right. Change things, you know, or change yeah. kind of the vision of what they had for what they had written. Makes sense. And it seems like it's from the one I've worked on, it seems mostly like calm, but I have seen (laughs) there's one time where the writer is just like, well, it says in the script to do this. And the director is like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But we're going to do it like this. And the writer's like, but no, then the scene won't. And the director's like, yeah, it's fine. We'll do it your way. Just like this. And he's like, that's not my way though. I'm telling you, this is the way to do it. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right. Anyway, let's go. And the writer's face is just like, uh, but he's trying to kind of you know stay professional and keep it together. But was like, uh, all right, <laughs> and then walked off. <laughs> yeah, so that was, I mean, other things in there, you know, Eric Kayla handles cinematography, which really pretty much lighting was what he focused mostly on. The acting bit was just you know how it's tough, you know, when you're shooting things out of sequence and you don't have a lot of time to practice. So, I mean, that's kind of all what I got out of the uh, the making of feature. I also thought we definitely need to get some of those Haven hats that they have. Definitely need to figure out how to get those. If any listeners have a a source or supply or a box, reach out to us. We want some Haven hats. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Alex always wears a hat and I'm bald. So I'm always wearing a hat outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, one thing I did want to talk about the writing was that I I think they, they went into it, but I don't know how, much you like maybe keyed into, or I don't remember if the, the exact like language used by Ernst and Dunn when they were talking about the structure of TV episode writing. So he mentioned it was like a five act structure. I don't know if you are like, that's broken up into acts. I think he said five. Uh, do you know why there's five acts? I think he said maybe in in there why they picked five acts as the TV structure. But I like Shakespeare. Be- <laughs> yeah, there's huge Shakespeare fans. No, for commercials. So each act is broken up by a commercial break. So five acts, mm-hmm. um, right. it, the four breaks in between are the four commercial breaks. So TV was always structured so that you break the act in the uh, for the commercial. Whereas now it's changing because of Netflix and Amazon and all that, right? Where you don't need to have that same structure anymore. So actually over the last 10 years, TV has been changing uh, pretty dramatically because before probably like 2012, everything was in that commercial minded 
five act structure from, you know, all the way back to like the fifties or whatever. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, that was, that was the model. I mean, you know, you, you got to make money otherwise, you know, you don't get a chance to display your art if it's not going to generate funds for somebody. So well, right. in actuality, right. The TV show is just an excuse for <laughs> the, commercials. the commercials. That's right. That uh, is right. Speaking of commercials, uh, troubled listeners, just kidding. We, we don't have any commercials. No, no sponsors. We keep it free so we can uh, – so we don't have any corporate overlords trying to hold our tongues on anything we might say. <laughs> I've, been reaching out to, I've been reaching out to Gold Bond, but they're like they, – they got shacked to say they don't need us. But, you know, and the general has not replied to me. And I'm like, I was in the Army. Come on, general. Oh, there is one last thing. They were and they were talking about uh they were talking about uh Chris Brody, right? Jason Brody uh, was talking about Chris Brody. <laughs> uh Sean Pillar made a comment. He's like, Yeah, you know, there's this other guy in town now, Chris Brody, who is also a perfect fit for Audrey. And I was like, Well, dude, pause, 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 Pillar. I was like, I don't think so. Chris Brody, uh... and then I thought about it, I was like, you know what? Audrey's perfect for Chris Brody, right? Because she's not under his spell. But there's no way Chris Brody's perfect for Audrey. <laughs> you, you know, Chris Brody is perfect for being a hermit, okay? Living by himself in the mountains or, okay, by the coast since he's a marine biologist. But, uh, <laughs> there could be mountains in the ocean nearby, like up in western Canada, I think on the western coast. Mountains are yeah. pretty close to the water. And once again, this is Chris Brody, not, you know, not Jason <laughs> Priestley. Uh, no, still no. love Jason Priestley. So, yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, he was like, perfect for Audrey. I was like, I don't know. No, no, no. So I thought that was pretty funny. Any excuse to play a Lindsay Price song? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, guys. I got, uh, or Sweet sweet Water water Talk or whatever he calls it next time. Sweet Water Radio, even though it's (laughs) Sweet Talk Radio, yeah. But All right, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of it from the making of featurette. Uh, I think to me, this is the best value from this, uh, the Haven panel, what I saw of the Haven panel had, it was a lot of stuff that I think has been previously covered the parts I got and a lot of <laughs> like humor. It's a lot of getting to know the actors, but not necessarily to me informational. It gets, it gets pretty funny because of Lucas and, uh, but we'll, that's what we'll I was talk just saying, about right? that, it, you know, in order, I was no. just saying, that's like, it's more about like humor and like enjoyment, like entertaining, but not necessarily like information. That's like. To be honest, very little of it is new information, and especially for us, considering how we, you know, watch the shows and analyze them and then listen to the, you know, the uh, audio commentaries. So, yeah, I mean, you're not going to learn too much in-universe stuff. But like I said, I think making a featurette is the that's always stuff that's been interesting to me. So everyone's uh, mileage may vary. Well, because the the behind the scenes, you know, like. I don't have much to say. It's just like junkets and, and bullshit <laughs> yeah. interviews. You know, they're plugging their show. Like the only thing I really got out of it that I enjoyed was, uh, well, almost necessarily I enjoyed was that the network didn't like the term uh, cursed. So that's why they went with troubled. So that was, you know, that was interesting outside of that. I really, you know. And obviously yeah. the observation we've made before uh, Eric Balfour goes through is that it's funny being with, Lucas Bryant because he's a very funny guy in real life and very energetic versus his character who's very dry. So it's a stark contrast. But the kind of segments in the behind the scenes are what's new in season two, 
who is Audrey Parker, little town. So, you know, what's new? There's kind of covering like what changed from season one? Who is Audrey Parker? They're talking about her new dilemma. Uh, little town of Haven is just talking about like the town of Haven. The town's people is just kind of the supporting cast and the troubles is certain, you know, things that they're going to deal with uh, in season two. So it's well, almost it, just like sneak previews, right? Stuff you yeah, put on the a, website. That's kind of what I observed was this would be great to watch before you watch the season. It doesn't really help you after the season. Really? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't provide any value really after the season. Because, you know, Eric Balfour is like, you know, who is Evie? We don't really know. It's like a secret. I'm like, okay, well, we know. <laughs> like, maybe you should put this segment on the first disc and we watch it leading in uh, to the season. We can be like, you know, oh, but, but yeah, it's the stuff that at the end isn't very interesting to hear. But if you were excited for Haven, you were going on the website before you were watching. I'm not, I'm not sure if the website's even active anymore. Uh but uh, it's not a, it's not part of the sci-fi site anymore. Damn, because yeah, I, I, I went on there hoping to find some some stuff. But orphaned, or like that the Colden Haven read we did, the mm-hmm. the transcript is gone. It's gone. You can't find it on the internet anymore. We now have. I don't know if we're the only, but we're one. We got it just in time. Recording before WikiFoundry is a website completely as a website maker shut down. So every website made under its umbrella mm. got shut down too. Well, you know. Okay. So like we said, not too much in behind the scenes. Then we have an interview with Adam Copeland. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of focused on his transition from WWE to to working on scripted television. Right. And I think we've mentioned it before. You know, he got injured, had an MRI, and had to retire. And, uh, you know, they he thought it was his retirement speech that he gave for WWE that impressed the Haven folks. And then, which is later confirmed in the Comic-Con panel that that's mm-hmm. what got their attention. One cool thing I thought was uh, he connected best with uh, Lucas because they're from the same region of Canada. And in his words, they are both idiots. <laughs> so, he said they might've even played baseball against each other as kids. Yeah, it was uh it was pretty cool. It sounded like he wasn't a lock to come back for a season three. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I'd like to come back. I was like, oh. like, <laughs> But they give a lot of attention to him, you know. Like, I would imagine they would think, like, this guy's got to come back, considering there's a whole commentary that's basically devoted to being just an interview of him. And then yeah. this interview, this seven-minute interview of him, where he's kind of talking about the transition. I thought the most interesting part was – him talking about his facial expressions, how like, you know, in wrestling and it's the same way in theater, right? Because the audience is so far at a distance that you have to really amp up all expression. So, you know, theater actors, you know, and, and by extension wrestlers, cause it is like, it's athletic theater. Oh, excuse I, I, me. Uh, do you mean theater actors? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Grand thespian. Yeah. So they have to, you know, really, amp up everything because the audience is far away and like you know you can't see subtle movements at a distance when you're you know watching plays and stuff so same thing with wrestling right for the live audience he's got to really play up all and wrestling is just like hammy right he's got to really like play up all the emotions so it was learning about toning that down for film right because the camera's not very far away right and uh just an fyi uh for adam copeland fans he is back wrestling and he is uh, probably at either July 16th, 17th, he'll be actually competing for a title in wrestling. So, and I'm sure he already knows if he wins or not, but. Well, also this episode will be out probably past July 16th. Well, you can go back and probably watch it much cheaper versus doing the pay-per-view. So <laughs> I will not be purchasing the pay-per-view. I like them. 
but not that much. Uh, the, the interview's all right, but once again, we got a whole commentary where we heard a lot of similar stuff of his transition over. Uh, so a little it is all right. It's all right. It's like it's not as it's not worthless like the behind the scenes kind of seemed. Yeah. Uh, but it's not as interesting to me as I'm making a feature or apparently the Comic-Con panel was to you, which we're, we'll transition into now. Well, and I think the Comic-Con panel was just because uh, it, it was fun, you know, and, you know, that's me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, li- I like to laugh and crack up. I consider myself probably somewhat similar to Lucas and person and personality. I don't know if, if you've ever seen Haven Dance Party video. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that that hardcore, but uh, so. <laughs> So basically, uh, I am assuming most of our listeners know what Comic-Con is because if you watch Sci-Fi Network, you know, and are interested in those types of things. So they had a panel with a moderator and it was Ernst Dunn, Charles Ardai, Emily Rose, Lucas Bryant, and Eric Belfour. And a lot of it's the same information you've already known. Ardai goes over the genesis of the concept from the King book, even though he misstates his own line of fiction. He called it hard-boiled crime. <laughs> well, it's like you 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 it seems like you call it a you called it a different thing a bunch of episodes every time yeah <laughs> that's just your uh, sweet that's your sweet talk radio <laughs> i i am my mother's son so yeah apparently yeah. <laughs> apparently charles ardaya as well is yeah, uh, and, kind of a similar know, lineage so Ernst, you know, tells the tale of having to add a supernatural element. Uh, Emily was cast after 140 plus auditions. Lucas and Eric were perfect. But she was the third, right? Uh, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it's almost like they went through 130. Like, they went to, through 130, like seven being like, wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, yeah, do your due diligence, but. Come on. Well, and then Ernst still insists they know the last scene in the last episode of the series <laughs> and then he says they have at least eight seasons of material so oh, man they, had, they added another season to the lore <laughs> yeah, yeah just for he, that comic-con <laughs> uh, he doubled he doubled he tripled down saying hey, seven seven se- i got eight we got eight seasons uh so even though they're not even there past season three right they leave after season yeah. three yeah they uh <laughs> Well, and uh, just a kind of cool little tidbit. I didn't realize that Ernst and Dunn were roommates in college. So now we know how they got together. The New York guy and uh, where he didn't the that they lived together. Yeah. And uh, they, they originally wanted to call the show uh, Sanctuary, but obviously that wasn't going to work. Wasn't sci-fi. that another sci-fi show? Exactly. Sci- yeah. Sci-fi. I already had a show called Sanctuary, which is what was pretty good. And I just fell off for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, so they went with Haven because it was a town in the Tommyknockers. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then th- this was something that I thought was really cool was Emily brings up the, the Duke shotgun scene in the trial of Audrey Par- Parker. And Ernst really goes to town explaining it, you know, calling Duke <laughs> a cold blooded killer. And he, he claims that uh, Eric Belfort actually came up with that idea and he liked it. So he agreed, agreed to it. But what I will point out is I think certain, uh, you know, hosts of a podcast uh, brought up this point as well when they watched the episode and reviewed it. What did we bring up? The whole point of him pulling out the shotgun and being, re- you know, and actually firing it. And Even though he doesn't display like behavior like that really ever again so far in the first two seasons, he's not, he's never cold killed anyone. Right. So the worst he's done is palm a guy. Okay, so another thing about the uh, the Comic Con, there was a lot of freaking swearing during the discussion. Yeah, I heard some. I, once again, I didn't finish it, but as I was getting, I was like, "God damn!" Like they sound like us. 
<laughs> you don't have to bother with the towel on that one. <laughs> it like, didn't help at all. Yeah. No. So, like I mentioned, there was a lot of a uh, lot of swearing, and the moderator even like she she kind of uh, you know the kind of mousy sci-fi moderator. Yeah. She 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 kind of pointed out she's like there's there's children present, but then they basically rational rationalized it and then doubled down, and it seemed like Ernst in particular like just once again he like doubled down and just started swearing more. And I mean, and <laughs> so I was he like, was the most profane of them. Yes. Who was? Who else was profane? Uh, I think I think Balfour and Lucas said some uh, said some shit, some swearing, and uh, but you know, you know, like I said, you know, like Ernst was like, you know, like too cool for school. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna lean into this profanity thing, which and there were <laughs> children present, so I mean, I mean, it wasn't like horrible. They weren't like dropping MFers and you know CSers and that, but there, there was enough. But uh, everyone praised Adam Copeland. And then that's when Ernst explained, yep, it was the retirement speech. Uh, <laughs> I was just doing my my weekly WWE viewing and was like, damn, we need to get this guy on the show. <laughs> oh, I, how, many, how, many, how many nights, a, how many days a night, how many nights a week is WWE on? Is it a weekly thing or is it like? Uh, now or then? Uh, I don't know. Is it different? Then, I guess. Back then, I think. They, yeah, I think back then they, they had like Monday Night Raw and. Uh, and no, and then SmackDown, they had two nights a week. Yeah, because okay. SmackDown was the one I think that was associated. Uh, I think SmackDown was associated with sci-fi and uh, Raw was associated with USA Network. So mm, I see. Uh, OK, not that I'm not that I watch wrestling anymore <laughs> and I wasn't I didn't really back back then, but it's OK. It's OK. It's You're real, man. A... <laughs> it's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was just so, a, there was also a lot of joking where like people were asking questions and they weren't really giving like serviceable answers in my opinion. Where they're like, "Oh, you know, which trouble haunted you the most?" And Lucas is like, "Working with Emily and Eric." I was like, "All right," and then Eric's like made some joke. I was like, "Ah." Yeah. kind of i'm not really feeling i don't want to hear answers like that to be honest yeah they, they, they fucked around a bit too much i would agree and, it, and like i said i enjoyed it but you know i didn't even think of it that way that if i'm this fan out in the audience i'm asking this real question and then you're giving me kind of a, a bullshit answer so like because it, it went off the fucking rails at one point because uh <laughs> I mean, like, even dance party broke out spontaneously yeah no they didn't do that but <laughs> it was like they asked uh, you know, Lucas, you know, what what do you see uh, for Nathan in season three? Oh God! And he just kept going on about Nathan's balls, and uh, <laughs> it, it was. Did he learn to shave them? Because he's <laughs> he's been practicing on his eyebrows, but unsuccessfully. I don't want to see him try to shave his eyebrows balls. or sideburns. Sorry, sideburns, sideburns. <laughs> but now I do want to see Nathan without eyebrows, or get yeah. the lines in them. You know, like those guys yeah. who think they're cool get the kind of no. side, like little side uh, eyebrow yeah. cuts. Not like vanilla ice back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vanilla ice. <laughs> Word to your mother. Yeah. Some I'm from kids the still do that. Kids still do that. I've seen teens with that like going on. Oh, some things are timeless. Yeah. Like yeah. vanilla ice. <laughs> oh, to the extreme, baby. <laughs> to the extreme. But I don't, uh, is there anyone more encapsulated in probably just a one year span than vanilla ice? <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw I saw him at like uh you know like a, a retro concert at uh, Fiddler's Green in Denver, and he that put on a good depressing. show. 
it was fun. <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, Salt and Peppa was actually probably the best. They were great. Uh, Young MC was funny too, but boy, he looked a lot different from his youth. But so do I. <laughs> I had hair. Uh, but yeah, he, he just goes on about Nathan's balls in season three, and it was just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> there were children present. Yes, that, that was it. Uh, you know, and we've heard this before that John Dunsworth is like a gigantic star in Canada. But, uh, you know, uh, he lives really close to where they shoot. So he just uh, goes home. He's like, Ew. yeah. And I, and, I, and I guess from what everyone says, Dunsworth is even crazier than Lucas. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So this like secret pimp like storyline we've been running on Dave, he probably beat us to it. He probably like. Has yeah. been suggesting even more outlandish stuff on the set grimy game. underbelly of uh, <laughs> of Haven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He wants to he wants to revel in it, get down in it, and roll around. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, so, but and apparently he's also got this big boat, and he would like uh, bring it to like by where they're filming, and it was a really cool boat. And uh, and then kind of uh, you know I would end my review of the Comic Con panel by saying it's uh, clear the actors and the creators all like each other, and the actors mm-hmm. definitely have a have a tight bond. Yeah, it doesn't seem fake; it seems legit and real. So, which is pretty good. Maybe I think that's why the product is what it is. I mean, yeah, they're as we've talked about before, their chemistry is just so good. Uh, it's no surprise that they get along. Like in person, you can see, kind of like I know we've always heard. I mean, and they poke fun of it, right? Is that on Supernatural, right? They would go through phases where they hated each other, the two brothers. And they even, I remember there was an episode where they broke into the real world. Uh, I can't remember if it was Sam or Dean. I think it was Dean, right? And then they were like talking, like, oh, you guys are talking, you guys are talking again? I thought you guys weren't talking, which was like a polka in real life where they apparently at one stage wouldn't speak to each other at all because they were unhappy with each other. Yeah, can you imagine being locked up in the car together for all those hours yeah, for 16 years 16 years yeah. <laughs> and you don't like your co-worker By which one of those he... two do you think's the the diva if, do you think there was a diva between the two of them jensen you think jensen oh i was gonna guess jared i think jared's the diva between jensen them. was a model yeah but remember the yeah. jared fighting a guy story you never heard of stuff like that with jensen but that's just shit kicking man that's just you know that's just getting out too to the drunk bar. and getting in a fight i'm at yeah it's a, that's a texas thing man right i don't know i don't know no. I, I imagine jensen, jensen Moore is like kind jensen of a, was a model come on i don't that, know but also jensen could easily kick my ass all the way you know no offense <laughs> jensen you know i mean jared could kick my ass i'm still gonna put in my prediction that he was the diva of the two J- jensen no Totally. All right. Well, anyway, I guess yeah. we've shown I guess we've shown our, our hand at who we like more on the show. Well, weren't you a bigger mm-hmm. Dean fan? No. Oh, no, that's right. No. You were a bigger Sam. I think I'm the bigger Dean fan. You're the bigger I was Sam always a fan. Sam fan. Uh, Sam fan. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was a Sam Stan. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You're learning the Internet a little bit now. Oh, God. <laughs> Anything else from the Comic-Con? Uh, like I said, I just wasn't like. I wasn't really like vibing with the, the, like the, no, like the lack of serious, how, how was Emily? Was she giving, cause in her interviews and her commentaries, I've always said that I like how in depth she gets, how, how yeah. serious she really takes this. How was she well, on the, the she, she joked around with, with the guys, but she did try to answer the questions. I yeah. mean, she poked, you know, she poked that. fun at them a little bit, but you know, I mean, she's the professional of the group. I mean, exactly. they're all professionals. I mean, <laughs> they're professional actors, but you know, there's a difference between being a professional and like having yeah. a professional, 
was it attitude, mindset, yeah. demeanor, whatever. And she definitely comes in. And as we heard on the the costumes thing, even in like in the making of feature, she would talk about how all these little details are important. Like she was talking about how Audrey, you know, dressed more vulnerable, you know, when Nathan was supposed to be coming over for dinner and she gets fucking kidnapped, you know. So she clearly really cares about the details and like the work, which I appreciate. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, they are professionals. Their their IMDb page is much more extensive than mine. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I, I have looked at Major yours. League. I have looked at yours. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's like a a couple versions of mine. I I've never I haven't really gone in and uh, my my credits are such a pit like so, so, so pathetic. I'm like I don't care. There's some people, you know, who are like at my level of not having done much professional work that take it very seriously and have like, you know, professional photos done and like very detailed information on like where they are and like, well, you know, I was an extra in this and like, like yeah, I, I think assisted I, a caterer on this. And it's like, uh, I think whatever. you're wearing a ski mask on your page. <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> yeah. This is for the benefit of all of us, is what it's captioned. It used to be a hockey mask, but then people really thought I knew hockey, and I don't. So I switched no. to the ski mask. So they really know I'm a degenerate. I can barely stand up on skates, and I grew up in Wisconsin. That's uh, <laughs> it's a damn shame. All right. Well, is that it for Comic Con panel? I yeah, I think I think that's it for the the, the bonus features content in, in general. I mean. Yeah. If you love the show like we do, it's you know I think it's worth it overall to watch it. But I mean, like I said, I got a bunch of good stuff out of it. And, it is uh, fifty minutes. Yeah, That's I, I, I didn't I didn't even like monitor the time because that would depress me. But <laughs> it's longer than an episode. An episode's forty two minutes. <laughs> no wonder I was getting antsy at the end. I was like, wow, like wow, yeah, yeah. I got like a quarter of the way through or a third of the way through. I looked at the t- how much time there was on, it, and I was like, ah. I know we're doing a Haven podcast, but uh, not really enjoying this. So, and I knew you do your homework. You're the, you know, the academic of us between the us, the professional, right? If you, if you will, uh, studious. Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> honors grad in college. <laughs> I'm more of a show up and read the chapter before the test kind of guy. Anyway. And as you know, and there's a lot of flying by the seat of your pants in the entertainment industry. So I'm, I'm well prepared, well geared for it. I'm just kidding. Being prepared is better. Uh, okay, it's let's not, do. It's not show friends. It's show business. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the season overview. Uh, with season one, we I thought season one, you know, great pilot. Then I thought it kind of decelerated and took time to build back up. But I thought then season one, kind of from the midway point onward, it was escalating progressively, getting better and better and better. And then, you know, at the finale is like this culmination of, uh, I don't know, but like a climax. It was a climax, like how it was supposed to be. It was a nice gradual build. And I thought that was a really nice structure for season one. Uh, which it's also kind of a dangerous play because it's like at the beginning it is a little not less entertaining, but if you stuck with it, right. I thought it got better and better and better where season two, I don't think has the same uh, like structure as season one. What do you think? Well, <clears throat> well, one of the things is I was trying to figure out that I really took some time to go through my episode observations and I had to adjust some of my scores when I, you know, after I re-reviewed season one, I went through all my my season one stuff because I was trying to figure out with 
in my gut, I know season one was better than season two. And I'd that's what agree. I, 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 that's what I feel. And I had to figure it out, you know, so when I, when I did the math, I was like, man, they're way too close together and there's, <laughs> there's no gap. So then I, I went back and I started uh, looking at episodes from season two and I lowered probably five episodes because I was like, eh, I think I, you know, because of commentaries and other things gave them benefit of the doubt. So I was like, uh, and then after lowering them, I was like, and then I was like, so what's the disparity? Why did I feel like I barely hung on and would have continued to season three? So what I did is I started, you know, looking at each episode between each season. And when I kind of saw, I'm like, okay, is it a matter of season one having, you know, you know, a, a bunch of great episodes, high quality. So when I say high quality, I, I that's like, uh, like, uh, eight or higher, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, I went through them and season one did, you know, had six, but season two had five. So that, that wasn't a problem. And then I was like, okay, what is the problem between why do I feel this in my gut? And was then, it, can I take a guess? Was it the placement of those high numbers? Was it like where they were, is it like where they were placed on like in the order maybe like, so it feels less like, uh, like you have a, your memory of it is more up and down for season two possibly. Or, definitely, um, definitely up and down. De- definitely. I don't so know if that's I, what your answer was. I think be, that but. was, but what it what it really came down to me. So what I did then is what you know, I went and I looked for anything rated under five, and that that that's where that, that that's where I found the biggest impact was because uh, season one I had zero shit episodes, and uh, uh, well, I disagree with that, but I, I know you don't like butterfly and. <laughs> consumed for me which you like i think is close to being a shit episode so but nonetheless i didn't have any debate one or two uh, and mm-hmm. yeah yeah season two had five what were your what okay so what were your bad episodes for season two well oh, i can guess i can guess they, one they of didn't them. have they did have five I, I misspoke there they there was three shit episodes and a fourth that was really close roots is really close to being a shit episode. okay so roots is really close let me guess let me guess uh love machine is one of your shit episodes uh yeah that's my second uh least favorite yeah. uh sparks and recreation is one of your shit episodes uh yeah that one's slightly above love machine mm, lockdown was lockdown nope. your last one that's number 13, baby. Dang. All right. I got all three of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Like I said, uh, Roots barely hung on with me when I did my re- my analysis. So, and- yeah, I think um, when, when I was talking before about, when I was talking before about the structures, I think season one, and, and I've talked about this before, where certain things are better in the moment and then in an overview are different, right? So your opinion changes in an overview versus when you're in it. So, and this is an even bigger overview. So it's like we have your, when you're in the moment of the episode, when you're done with the episode, you can see the whole episode. And then when you're done with the whole season, you can see the whole season's like shape. And so your opinion's gonna keep changing through those, right? So I think I think season one had a clear escalation, right? I, I remember mm-hmm. as we were watching the episodes to me are getting better and better and better. I'm getting more invested, I'm getting more involved. You know, like, oh, I love this murder mystery in the house. This is good. Oh, we're on the boat for Audrey Parker's day off. Like, this is good. You know, we're getting closer to the end. And then, oh, the earthquakes. Like, so it was an exciting build. Whereas season two, 
uh, A Tale of Two Audrey's, good episode. But then, you know, Fear and Loathing's good. And then Love Machine Sparks and Recreation and Roots is starts going down, right? Then Audrey Parker's Day Off, spike up. But then the tides, then tides that bind is fine. And then Friend or Foe, Lockdown, Who, What, Where, When to Go, drag down. And then Business as Usual and Sins of the Father goes back up. So it's kind of just this, it's more of like a, it's almost like this like dearth in the middle with one kind of shining light being Audrey Parker's day off. So it's more like a, it's more like a tent structure, right? Where we have two on the borders and then one in the middle to hold up the whole thing versus season one's direct, you know, scale up. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think for the like structure, like, is that how you felt that like season two had moments, like a good beginning, a good ending and one good episode in the middle, one exceptional episode in the middle, but then like we get three kind of, not i hesitate to use the word duds but close to duds so, some of them duds uh i said i liked love machine but like i like love machine but it's cheesy it's a dud uh lockdown and friend or foe and who would where when to go are kind of duds for me like they're fine they're all right like lockdown once again is an episode i want to conceptually like but it's not very good Straight trash, straight, straight fucking trash. <laughs> I'm not no. gonna go to straight trash, but it's got a lot of problems. Um, no. so I think uh, when to go, when to go is a seven. Oh, yeah, man, <sighs> seven's got, a solid, a solid episode. It's got structural issues. Uh, oh, you just, you just don't like how Audrey's handgun makes this gigantic, uh, no, no, that, that's more your rip. problem. I, I didn't like it, but that's that was one you like more got caught up on. What I didn't like is how the serial killer who's we spend a lot like time learning the opening minute is completely forgotten like immediately. And the girls who are the Wendigo family with the trouble aren't introduced till over halfway through the episode. Like what the fuck? You can't introduce like vital plot characters like that over halfway through. Like, cause then it, it, how are we supposed to guess and kind of keep playing along and engaging with like who might be the Wendigo at that rate? It's kind of like pulling an Agatha Christie move where it's like, who was the killer? Something you never could have possibly guessed at all because I'm fucking with you. It was all of us. Yeah, or uh, major spoilers for some Agatha Christie books here. That was uh, that was a murder on the Orient Express. Orient Express. It's where all 10 of them do the stabbing. The murder of Roger Ackroyd, the guy telling the story is prose, like essentially his Watson for the book, right? Mm-hmm. He's the fucking killer and he's been lying to you, the reader, the entire time. He's like, oh yeah, it's me. Basically, everything you were reading, uh, I was lying to you about. And it's like, okay, well, how the fuck would we possibly guess that? Like an unreliable narrator. <laughs> what a cheat. Aha! I deceived you. So I have problems with who, what, where, when to go. But I think okay. that's what leaves season two not feeling as good as season one because the way it, season one builds to the point where you're like, oh, I want to start season two right now. Whereas this, I was like, good, but I'm not as enthused to move into season three. Right. Well, you know, the whole reason why I went back in to look at and looked at my numbers from season one and did some downgrading on season two is because uh, I was trying to figure out because, you know, at two different points during the season, I I was like, how the hell did I watch season three way back, you know, when it when it came (laughs) out? Because and then so by going through it, it's exactly like you like you said, start off strong with the tale of two Audrey's. Hums with fear and loathing. Then for me, craters to straight trash with love machine and sparks <laughs> and recreation. Roots, you know, picks it up a little tiny bit. It's salvageable. 
right salvageable and then they hit a freaking home run out of the park with audrey parker's day off and like okay you saved and they basically in my opinion saved the season with audrey parker's day off yeah and then and then we see we see a, a decline again tides that bind i think it's fine I, once again it's kind of like fear and loathing good, i think it's like in that like good territory but it, it's good yeah right and friend or foe's barely that's good. probably my least favorite episode maybe of the season i don't know oh god yeah it's not a great episode i mean cornell sucks okay and uh, i mean not not the actor but i mean just all the inconsistencies (laughs) with it this the guy would never be named cornell all right and then i know how you feel about lockdown uh you think who what when when to go is all right yeah i think it's pretty good but and then but that's what happened you know starts off great sinks you know hums a little bit sinks to shit boom hit the home run keep my interest couple decent episodes straight bottom of the barrel trash shit lockdown then you save it with uh, who what where window goes decent and then business as usual is very good since the father's excellent and then uh a silent nights like i said it's one of my favorite christmas episodes of all time so uh yeah i i think you're coming to, and, and i think my scores aren't as like uh extreme from what i remember as yours mine are more like ride the middle yeah yeah but I'll say at the end, I don't think who would wear a Wendigo is good enough or uh, is good enough to like be this ramp up. And then business as usual has very good parts. But like I said, it's weekly episode. It's like little thing of the week aspect of the episode is so forgettable. And like, like it almost feels like the episode itself is forgetting like, oh yeah, we got to solve this fucking mummy thing. Oh, let's do that. And we can get back to Duke and, uh, and Edge, like finding the box, right? Well, it, it it's if I summarize season two, it's kind of like a Big Mac, you know. We got <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Because uh, we we've got great episodes on top of the bun, shit in the middle. Then we got another great episode here, kind of that middle bun, and then we got some more shit, and then we got another. We got a really thick, great bun on the bottom. So it's kind of like a Big Mac, and that's why, like you said, the season feels not as good as season one, a little uneven. And but thank God they finished strong because otherwise, think, there's no way I would have made season three. I think Sins of the Father is a good finish, um, and the mm-hmm. Christmas special is a unique thing. Um, it's not like the finale. So I'd say, because I was like, Silent Night, well, it's good. It's not uh, of the caliber of, like, I think, the Tale of Two Audrey's, Audrey Parker's Day Off, and Sins of the Father. And I think Business no. as Usual, like I said, is a little flawed. But but especially if you look back at when it, when it uh, was originally aired. Yeah. You know, se- season ends, and, you know, you got a pretty good taste in your mouth, but they don't do anything to take away from that. Because it's in December. I can't remember. I thought it was December 6th or 15th, whatever, when it actually aired, mm-hmm. but that, you know, just adds on to the quality and, and the, the positive vibe and, and that you're taking away from the show that makes you interested to watch season three. Yeah. I'd say it holds it, holds it. I won't say it necessarily. I'm sure. I, I don't think there was anyone who just happened to like be uh, channel surfing, watched it and said, Oh, now I want to watch Haven. <laughs> um. Maybe after listening to this podcast, like, you know what? <laughs> after two seasons, like, you know what? Maybe I should finally watch this show. I don't know if there's anyone. <laughs> They're like, I, I never watched the show, but I listen for those two uh, silky voices. You know, yeah, the quiet know. storm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think we've been pretty clear with what our uh, we think the best episodes are. A Tale of Two Audrey's, Audrey Parker's Day Off, and I think Sins of the Father are the best. 
I think uh, fear and loathing, the tides of bind and business as usual are kind of, I'd say that's second tier. Yeah, then <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what's my least favorite. Look, I don't know what I said in my scores, but looking at it, friend or foe, I'm not a fan of. And Sparks and Recreation is like pretty rough. It's pretty rough to get through. So my favorite was uh, obviously the, you know, uh, Audrey Parker stay off. I, I think that's exceptional. My second favorite was Sins of the Father. That was my, you know, ranking. And then third was the, the Christmas episode. Was like, oh, yeah. What was it? A Tale of Two Audrey's fourth? Uh, yep. Yep. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and I think part of my Christmas episode grade, and I think I mentioned this when we actually did that episode, was that I just had such low expectations for it because <laughs> Christmas episodes more more often than not suck. I mean, some of the best shows can screw up a Christmas episode. I mean, so. So they get I, points for not for, you know. For not sucking. Well. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> right. And like you said, yeah, middling episodes, you know, Fear and Loathing is a solid episode. Uh, so you're saying the Christmas episode, Christmas special is like an Adam Sandler movie of the last two decades, where if it's not completely horrible, you're like, well, that was kind of like Lil Nicky. I was like, well, you know what? There's some funny parts in this. <laughs> you, know? you don't mess with the Zohan. It's Zohan. probably like. Where you're kind of like, oh my god, going in, you're like, well, I didn't hate it. How, how, how shitty is this going to be? <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh, come on, man, you you gotta or, love uh, scr- you gotta love Scrappy Coco. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we digress, but that's what we do. That's what the French boys do. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, like I said, uh, you know, roots. You know, I I bumped it down to a five, but it's still, you know, it was a middling. And uh, tides that bind, I I, I like. Uh, friend or full, I mean, yeah, there's there's flaw, and I, I'm not gonna fucking talk about lockdown. I won't yeah, do it. yeah, we don't want, we don't need that again. Because yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, basically, when I averaged out the scores between the two seasons, season one was a was you know was a seven, and then mm-hmm. season two was a six. So yeah, yeah, and like I said, I think season one that episodes like two through five, six are like fine, but aren't like special per se. And then yeah, the, around the they're middling mark. in season one. Yeah, yeah. it's you know. It, and then, it's kind of just yeah. taking you along and it's not like, you know, really pulling, but then you get towards the end. And like I said, it's uh, like you said, the way they structured it in the episodes, it was better, even though, you know, especially once we got past the episode flippy floppy that was going on. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how about information revealed? Right. I think I was pretty critical on season one of not giving us enough. Right? I was like, put your foot on the gas a bit more. I want more. Uh, I was I was frustrated with the finale for not giving us enough. Did you feel that changed in season two? Did you? How did you feel about the kind of secrets and information that we're given of like this kind of overall story? Because we learned, you know, Audrey, you know, where's Audrey? A lot. I was like, I we mean, learned about we the learned a lot. We learned that the barn exists. We know kind of now that that's how Audrey's memory got erased. Uh, we met the original lucy we is that how it got erased or did she meet bill cosby no Uh, (laughs) i think we'll edit that one out (laughs) of both cuts yeah Uh, (laughs) it's pretty Uh, fucking funny though i was like it's i don't know if it's coming out it's it's dark but it's funny um you you know about about simon crocker a lot Uh, uh his weapons box uh the, the real uh the real uh lucy 
Right, right. And we learned that there's mm. an iteration before Lucy. Sarah. Yeah. And, right. Uh, so, and, and then Vince and Dave have connections to. We learned the Rev's wife runs off with, uh, you know, with, with uh, the, the fish man. Huh. And, yeah, uh, yeah. While, while his daughter's off dealing with a son, with a fucking nightmare son, literally. Uh, and she's like, oh, yeah, fuck my daughter. I don't need to go see her. I got my yeah, the, fish husband. The, the Rev can handle it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you think her, <laughs> think her husband's named Gortman, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Trust, oh, trust the Gordon's fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, were you? So we learned a bunch of stuff. Was it enough? Were you satisfied? I, I think we learned enough in this uh, in this season. I, I, I for for uh, you know throughout the, the Christmas episode for a twelve episode season. I think they advanced the storyline. You know of the the bigger picture here with uh, you know. Duke's family being the the uh, antagonists, yeah. even though they have their justification for why they they do it, and then you know Audrey, we still need to know more, obviously about Audrey's role in it besides just helping them, and that that there's right, and it, frankly, I, we both remember enough to know there is more to Audrey, Lucy, and Sarah than just helping the troubled people, but right. So I think I. A lot was revealed, um, and I think what the smart thing that the season did, a very, very smart thing, was that in its first episode, well, they did a little bit of work on the finale, but, you know, a little tease in season one's finale, and then, you know, laying the fucking hammer down in episode one of, like, this is Audrey and Nathan versus the Rev this season. That's the story. So it set a nice beginning and gave us, like, it said it gave us a roadmap, right? It said, Hey, this tension's building, it's gonna fucking explode. You know, this isn't gonna last beyond this season. Like, this is gonna and whereas like season one, the roadmap is like, uh, you know, like <laughs> solve the mystery, maybe. I don't know. Like, and it's like at the end, you're like, Great, here's a hundred questions. I have no fucking answers. So right. season two is kind of rather than I think taking that same approach of just like let's throw out as many questions as we can. They're like, here's a defined, you know, season two is us versus the rev, right? Us, the audience, we are obviously going to side with, oh, I don't know who watched this. And was like, you know what? The rev's right. Uh, <laughs> These people are dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, we should kill them. I don't. <laughs> normal people don't have a chance with these with these monsters roaming around. Come on. Unless the audience is like uh, from the X-Men comics, the people that make the Sentinels or something. Uh <laughs> if they're not unless they're them i don't think anyone's really siding with the rev uh so us you know versus the rev is kind of the storyline of season two so i think that was smart right whereas i know vaguely alluding in later seasons there'll be you know us another central antagonist you know like revealed where it's like this season's all about like what this person is doing and like our heroes combating that right and i think that's smart versus the vague like Oh, uh, we're going along and there's some questions to answer, but we don't really know where we're going. Like, or yeah. you, let, let me rephrase that. You don't, you, the audience don't know where we're going. Right. Well, and l l I like season one more, but I, I would have liked more uh, clarity or more information, a little bit bigger piece of a, just a little bit more. It would have yeah. been, been nice, you know? And uh, yeah, that I just, Reminded myself why you know the, the worst part about friend or foe was uh, <laughs> was fucking clonicide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, 
Yeah. So I think season two, that was really smart to kind of give us a sub story that, you know, and maybe that's what was carrying us along through this, these, these episode dearths is that we know that there's, you know, in season one, it's like, you don't really know where we're going, except you may, well, you're probably not going to answer these questions because what show answers like major questions like that in one season. So you don't really know what you're going to get season two. It's like, okay, well, I'm kind of going along because I know this rev story has got to end, right. They're going to, they got to, you know, collide by the end of this. So I think that's kind of what takes you, keeps you afloat through the season. Uh, and I think there's like some great, some great ideas that I don't think were executed very well, but great ideas nonetheless, like Nathan getting taken out of power, I thought was a really mm-hmm. cool idea that should have cool been, idea. that should have been more, man. That should have been a multi-episode arc of like Nathan's out of power. They don't have the police behind them now. Like, you, t- you know, you strip away from the heroes everything they got and see what's left. And what's left is what, you know, they're made of, you know. Well, and uh, I believe uh, in uh, nurture versus nature. And I think that Nathan was raised by the chief, so he would have stood tall. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just like the hero story, right? You, you take away, you know, you got to take away Her- Hercules, like, power at one point. You got to take away... Uh, you know, more modern mythology, you got to take away Iron Man's armor, Thor's hammer, Captain America's shield, or Captain America being backed by the government. You got to take Spider-Man's powers, right? Uh, You got to take away, you strip away from the heroes, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. But you got to something that's not a superhero for a second. I I was just going to say, take uh, (laughs) cinema, we can take away from superhero movies. I'm totally burnt out and I don't want to see another one. Uh, okay, you know, like Jack Sparrow, right? You take away his ship, his crew, you know, and see what he can do. Uh, yeah, the, the, what, the Black <laughs> Pearl? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, missing it for most of the series, right? Like, but, you know, he gets it back. You take it away again. You take away his allies. You take away, you know, his life, whatever. You take, you know, from heroes, you strip them down, see what they're made of. And I think they had the right idea. They just didn't do it enough, right? They didn't go, you, you know, Stephen King, right? He does that, right? He builds them up and then he just breaks them down as hard as he can to like, you're like, what the, f- how the fuck, like, are they going to get out of this? Yeah. He takes it full on dark, which is <laughs> a title of one of his collections of stories. Isn't it full dark, no stars? Oh, whatever. Full on dark. That was the subtitle. Yeah. <laughs> it was the working title. All right. Yeah. yeah. It was, thanks for the memories versus the sins <laughs> of the father. Yeah. I think there was some good ideas here. Uh, just not. Uh, too much time. I don't know. It's almost like I, w- I wanted more story because uh, I think a lot of the problems st- stemmed from the episode of the week format, right? It was like, we got to have this guy who's mummifying people. I was like, yeah, no one cared about that story. Like clear it out. And let's talk about the big story or friend or foe was felt like, a, I don't know. It felt like we were getting somewhere in Audrey Parker's day off in the tides that bind. And then we got to kind of take a step back for friend or foe. I was like, all right, I, come on. Whoa, like, what? we're progressing too fast. Let's throw some filler in here. All right? you know? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and yeah. once again, my position has always been foot on the gas. Let's go. Like, all gas, uh, no break. Right? Yeah, I <laughs> got a lead foot. Uh, isn't that why you <laughs> failed your driving test? My mother said I had a lead foot. I failed it <laughs> twice, and she said, this isn't baseball. You don't get three strikes. You're done. <laughs> Sorry, I turned 22 at some point and uh, got a license. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it, it needed uh, – there was just some episodes where, like, we were getting more, and then we would take a step back, and I'm like, fuck, like, I want to keep going. No, 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 like, don't. It's like getting teased, and then – you know, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to start. And then it just nothing happens. And you're like, fuck, all right. 
Yeah, and just and just some of some of the idea, like you said, you know, like the dehydration one was pretty stupid. Uh, love machine, I mean, <laughs> fucking a man. What? Yeah. Sparks of recreation. He's a great man. Oh, what a great man! Yeah, and Chris Brody, you know, is another thing we got to say as like a mid-season like little mini arc, just uh, fell on its face for me. I. Yeah, uh, you know, basically from four to nine, even though he wasn't in all those episodes because no, he, no. yeah, he had to go to London. I would count four, five, six as the mini arc, and then nine as like an epilogue. You know, oh, yeah, I, nine. Let, 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 let's just drop this, drop this shit in, and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, it's not because I think nine could have been a great episode, uh, but we've you know been over it. Oh, there's I just no, no, I don't know how they could have made that great. And then how about the like ending twist? Do you think this is like a good, which one do you think did better season one's kind of cliffhanger ending or season two's cliffhanger ending with the I'm Audrey Parker. Like I'm the real Audrey Parker versus Audrey getting kidnapped at two pointing guns, each other and shooting, which one do you think is a more effective cliffhanger? This is pro- season two is probably a better cliffhanger though. I did like season one. Oh, I, 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 really? I disagree. Uh, I, I mean, cause well, this one, you got a double cliffhanger. And in season one, you really only got the the one. Who, who the fuck's up this FBI agent? This other so, Audrey. So you're saying you'd rather get <laughs> like two items from the Great Value line from Walmart versus one item from the 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 the, the brand name. Well, really, I could probably get three or four uh, Great Value <laughs> great items. Value. Uh, yeah, well, I learned my lesson. Don't get great value macaroni and cheese. So even no. if it's two boxes instead of one, go for craft. Anyway, I think... Sriracha, a great value, sriracha cashews. Oh, my God. They are amazing. There's the... <laughs> it's only sriracha cashews I have been able to find, and it's great value, Brad. Let's save that for the great value podcast we're doing also on the side. <laughs> don't worry, Patreon fans. We got a great value episode. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, please. No, we're not. Um, yeah. Well, I think, but I think both of them for me, pers- like for me, I don't think either of them are as effective. I don't think either of them as are as effective as season one's cliffhanger. I think season one's cliffhanger uh, was so good where you're like, what the fuck? The real Audrey Parker. I had forgotten how good that moment was until we, during this rewatch, actually, I remember, cause I remember it, but I don't remember it being as like effective. And I was like, oh man, I want to jump right into season two. Like, let's figure this out. Whereas this one, they're good, but one, I just don't buy into Duke and Nathan, one of them killing each other or do I, since we, uh, did our Patreon episode on the, book later the novella later right from hard case crime in which we kind of talk about what might happen uh, after the season of finale of two right right i mean that stuff is like gold i mean that's yeah. one of my favorite patreon episodes not that uh, i don't love them all but you know so like trying to pick your favorite child you know uh, alex <laughs> is my favorite son yeah <laughs> not favorite child and just uh, listeners, uh, when he was a toddler, uh, I would tell him, you're my favorite son. And he'd go, I'm your only son. I go, yeah, see, you're my favorite. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, season two, there's a sin of the father. We're right on theme. Uh, <laughs> so I think the season one finale is better in its singular purpose. See, because season two, Audrey getting kidnapped is is a good one, but it just doesn't have that like punch to me that like the 
I'm Andrew Parker like moment did where you're like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, I need to figure out what's going to happen. It's like someone kidnapped her. They're going to find her, you know, like yeah. the main fucking character. And then, you know, but, 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 Duke but and Nathan are going to kill each other. But but that implies there's a new villain, another main villain. Right. So that's kind of cool. Kind of big. I think it's cool. See, But like season one, it implies almost that like. Maybe Audrey's the villain, right? Because you're like, did Audrey steal this? Because she's like, I'm in, you know, like, it kind of implies something even crazier. Real uh, to me, to me, this is my opinion. Well, yeah, it, season it, one you're like, better. so you're like, who the hell really? Who who the hell is Audrey Parker really? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think I think that's and once again going into the season overview a bit as the the fraudery storyline was really cool. I wish that lasted mm-hmm. longer. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I like I would easily trade those Chris Brody episodes for fraudery episodes. Like uh, I, I, tra- I trade Chris Brody episodes for uh, like an empty bag of chips that someone farted into. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, uh, some old Lawrence Welk repeats. <laughs> That's, you know, yeah, I think I would have taken, I would rather fraudery had stayed till episode six or whatever, nine rather than Chris Brody personally. Uh, she could have, she could have been the one who died in Audrey part to, to end the time loop. See, that would have been, uh, it would have been good, and we wouldn't have learned about the barn the way we did, uh, and the kind of tragedy of Fraudry. But I like it. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know what? Let's introduce Chris Brody just for that episode and kill him. We, we could have had uh, Brody go into the barn. <laughs> uh, we should come out not an asshole. Oh, I was gonna say we should have put him in before uh, the episode starts, so and we never have to experience him. I think the finale to two wasn't quite didn't give me the punch that season one did, but it's still an effective ending. It's just. Uh, just like you can buy that Audrey's not who you think you are. She's like, yeah, she's an orphan, the empty apartment. Like this dude, not really being, you know, this FBI guy is like clearly weird and doing some, some other type of shit. Uh, and then we, you know, she might be Lucy. So you figure out like, Oh, okay, you know, she, she, she is Lucy, right? She has a scar on her foot. So, you know, something's afoot. Whereas like, you know, Audrey's not going <laughs> to something's afoot. Really? Gotcha. You went there. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't intentional, but yeah, all right. Just do some more lips. Yeah. Just naturally how talented I am at puns. Yeah, just I kidding. That, that's my DNA. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, whereas, like I said, you know, Audrey's going to live and you know the, the guys aren't going to like kill each other. So it's not. You do You do know. I mean, you, you, you do. It's not as big. Yeah. Now that you say that, it, season one is better. Okay. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> just the. It, it's, it's hard to like, it's hard to like quantify, but yeah, I like season one more. And I think it's a it, more impactful. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's and, much and like more it's like, impactful because of that climax also. Right. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's the, the excitement leading up to it and stuff Her season two. It's just not as I'm not as like, I haven't been like, yeah, 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 yeah. More. So the, en- the ending just doesn't hit as well as like it should have for me. Well, cause, and that's one of the problems with, with, with the ending with uh, Nathan and uh, Duke and the, and the gunshot is like, all right, how are you guys going to fucking uh, write this so that n- neither one of them got shot? And, you know, someone's going to shoot in the air. Someone broke in to kill them and, you know, one person shot him. But we'll yeah, see. I, I actually don't remember how season three begins. So I uh, think I remember Audrey's part, but I don't remember their part. I should say. Uh, Patreon members, if uh, you listen to our last uh, episode, <laughs> um, that might be a hint. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say because I don't want to ruin anything from season three. Wow. I mean, there's a hint. You spoiled it for me now. Anyway, mm-hmm. just kidding. 
I think that's it. I think that's uh we kind of gave you the overview. We thought we want to hear what you think though, too. So go ahead and email us your thoughts on season one to two. Do you, do you disagree? Do you think the structure was better like this? Like with a heavy, with a stronger beginning, middle and end with some weak points in the middle, or did you like the build, the ramp up in season one? Do you think this finale is more effective than season right. ones? Did, did you create the Excel spreadsheets for seasons one and two with rankings? Uh, you know, they probably did some word, some Microsoft word things like the rev, you know, with a list of like podcasters to kill. Like I thought we agreed French, that Alex was French. word perfect. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not even Microsoft word. Yeah, <laughs> not like uh, word star or whatever. Notepad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we want to hear from you, your opinions on season two, or, you know, you also your just general opinions about the show or, or the special features. If you've seen the Blu-ray, uh, I think when we start covering season three, we're going to do another Blu-ray giveaway for season two. I know we're a little behind. <laughs> we're going to try to do season two and season three for during season three to get you guys all caught up with us. Uh, but we'll announce we'll have more details on that once we begin season three's coverage next episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, there's no cliffhanger, guys. There, there will. Yeah, be a will there be three. a season three? I don't know. Do we? we what was they don't Alex realize, shot or Rich shot? That's what I was gonna say. They don't realize we're pointing guns at each other over Zoom. You never know who's gonna come out. This episode's gonna end with a gunshot. Hey, keep your hand out of your pocket. <laughs> You're gonna have to guess. What am I gonna pull out? A second gun? Let's see, look at that callback. Look at look at that. Yeah. yeah um. <laughs> So you never know. Maybe only one of us survives to season three. You can uncover more Secrets of Haven with us in two weeks. Trouble drops on Mondays very early in the morning, just in time for your morning drive. You can listen to us anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, stuff like that. Uh, you can contact us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Haven's Troubled. I've been more active on Twitter lately, I promise. Uh we are on Patreon, as we've mentioned before. We'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, you can also just look us up on Patreon or Google us, uh, Haven. Uh, Trouble to Return to Haven, Patreon, something like that. We cover a bunch of stuff like movies, TV shows, comic books, books. And we like to do our fun little own exercises, real life news events, music, everything, everything you can think of. We try to cover on Patreon. If you have any suggestions for Patreon episodes, uh, please send them in. We want to cover what you guys want to talk about. We have three tiers, $1, and $1, $3, and $5. $1, you're going to get an assortment of little things. $3, you're going to get the Troubled with Extra Syrup bonus episodes where we talk about all that stuff. And then the $5 where uh, we do like director's cuts and the option to do live Q&As or create a, like an interview episode where you interview us. We can interview you, ask questions, stuff like that. Play games, who knows? Take your dress shopping. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> no no we will not do that <laughs> uh, we could point guns at each other you know how it is uh, I would do anything for, for Patreon but I won't <laughs> do that meatloaf uh, yeah I don't know <laughs> maybe we don't quote meatloaf anymore on the podcast <laughs> maybe we can make meatloaf for our Patreon members there I you make go. a pretty good uh, barbecue meatloaf yeah. Yeah, we'll mail it to you um don't eat it it won't be good anymore <laughs> that's it for us but we'll be back next week thank you for listening this is alex french and this is rich french i also want to thank uh everyone for listening and please encourage you to contact us and share your thoughts on the episodes we'd love to have that discussion we can you know even during season three we can regroup 
redouble back and talk about things from season two. So don't let that worry. And uh, there will be a season three, no cliffhanger. And once again, thank you for everything. And please remember, most importantly, never let your troubles get you down. 